welcome to more to come. PW Comic World Weekly Podcast on Graphic Novels and Comics Publishing. Recorded at the PW offices in New York City, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly, Editor of PW Comics World, and Editor of The Fanatic, PW's new uh, twice-a-month comics and pop culture Comics and Pop Culture Newsletter. There you go. Check us out at publisherswiki.com slash comics. And I am Heidi McDonald. I am the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And you can check us out on Twitter at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Simmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on iTunes and on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash PW Comics World. But before we go any further, don't forget, leave us a comment. Yeah. Let us know uh, how we're doing. Uh, give us a rating on iTunes, please. Uh, you know, give us some feedback. We'd love to get comments. I'm just looking at our uh, face, our iTunes page, and I see some of you have been leaving comments. Oh, so come on. Oh, how nice. Let's keep doing it. You we know, love just it. show us that you're listening. Fan because mail we from really some love founders. it. Yes. All right. Well, great. <clears throat> so, this week on More to Come, the Diamond Retail Summit. We'll recap the Lion Forge and Oni Press merger. Uh, Bookscan 2018 figures and uh, the look at the new size of the North American comics market. Uh, apparently there's trouble in Gotham. Batman <laughs> and Tom King, more to come on that. Avengers Endgame, finally. We'll get to talk about it. And for no other reason than because we want to, Game of Thrones. So... Diamond Retail Summit. Well, guys, what a, this is the first time we've all been I know, talking it's in been a month. A while. It's and been a while. Like, I think all the news that's going to happen in 2019 probably happened the last three weeks. <laughs> it is. It, this is kind of a roll call of everything yeah, we haven't been able to talk about. You should see the stories we're not talking about yes. in our story yeah, list. As, as the producer, I am happy to say that I have a three-page story list here. Poor <laughs> uh, yeah, Kate, you've just been storing them up, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I have, so. I have. Like, it's been like, oh, yeah, we're going to, oh, wait, no, we're not. Oh, yeah, now this week we're going to, wait, wait, no, no, we're, we're not. not. Yeah. This week, yes. We're yeah. back. Yeah. We're back. Well, we're back, and just, you know, we can't move without more things happening. Uh, you know, we don't even have TCAF on our story list here. Yes, I we know. do. TCAF <laughs> is number one on the story list. No, it's not. The well, Diamond Retailer Summit. So oh, you, you deleted my TCAF. But we can, we can, like, kick in a little bit about TCAF. Yeah. So the reason why we haven't been gathering is because Calvin and I were at TCAF two weeks ago yes. in Toronto. And then I was at the Retailer Summit. And, uh, you know, we've just been running around. And so we have not had a chance to... Sit in the same room, and uh, so T. I mean, you know, you couldn't go to two more different events than the TCAF in Toronto and the Diamond Retailer Summit in Vegas. Yeah, and and really, my story or or my talk with uh, with Oni Press uh, publisher uh, James Lucas Johnson really took place at TCAF. Right. So uh, right. we'll we'll try to squeeze a little bit of uh, of something in about TCAF right. as well. A great show. Right. As it usual. was really amazing. And that I, I, I mean, for me, kind of all of this news is kind of wrapped around the fact that, um, you know, TCAF is our favorite show of the year. Really and you go yeah. there and, um, uh, so many books and authors and graphic yes. novels and, uh, just, it's you tremendous. You really do, like you, like I did at other small shows, you discover more artists there, uh, just that you didn't know about. Um, it's just a great show. It is. It's just a fantastic show. And I guess the highlight this year was Junji Ito being yes. there. Yes. The all-time great who uh, I was uh, not able to meet. Uh, but, yeah. I know. was not able to get to those events either. Uh, I, I glimpsed him, though. I glimpsed uh-huh. him. Uh-huh. He seemed like a really nice guy. Um, uh, they were also celebrating Hiromi Takashima, the um, uh, the Yuri author. Yes, the Yuri yeah, author, so, yes. Uh, it was a time for to celebrate manga, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, just a great show. And uh, just for all the reasons we always talk about on this. Um, uh, so, uh, but then I was off to the Diamond Retailer Summit in yeah. Vegas. So this is another annual event that we go to. Uh, they only hold it in Las Vegas maybe once every five or six years. Thank God. So, um, but you know, they hold it in different locales. Yeah. yeah retailers from different yeah. areas, uh, can go. And, um, let me see. Uh, well, you know, I mean, there's so much news going on that we're just about to get to, but, um, uh, some news a little bit under the radar, uh, is that Diamond has a new president. So mm-hmm. essentially, uh, Steve Jeppy, the owner of Diamond has a family trust that is, um, 
owns uh, all of his companies, like Gemstone, the museum that he formerly owned, Diamond, Diamond Books, all of his different businesses. So that company has gotten a, uh, so it was him and one other fellow, but they brought in a third guy to be the president. It's formerly at PepsiCo. So he's like the president of all the Jeppy businesses. But he was at the summit. I'm embarrassed. I missed the You know, this story came out on a Friday uh-huh. and didn't really get that much uh, press. Uh, I didn't cover it. A lot of people did not. It kind of snuck by a lot of people. But, uh, yeah, this guy, um, let's see if I can find his name, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's the new president, and he was there. And then the other news was that uh, Diamond has moved to... Chase Manhattan, or not Chase Manhattan, I'm sorry, Chase Bank, so every J.P. Morgan Chase. Um, yeah, the guy's name is Dan Heideman. There's a photo of him. It's, you know, he's a white hedge fund guy. Uh, uh, let's see, in addition to... Uh, yeah, I just turned 69 this past January, said Jeppy. This is an age when most people begin to slow down. However, my health is good and I'm as energized as ever. I'm very optimistic about the future and believe these changes will make us a much stronger, more vibrant, and exciting organization in the years ahead. So, you know, right. maybe a little bit. Um, you know, some of our founding fathers are and mothers are getting a little bit older and kind of thinking about what's to come. And I yeah, guess you can well, see this is a bit of a... Shoring up. But this is a, you know, kind of an important, um, change. So I'm. Well, he's the president of yeah. Jeppy Family Enterprises. Uh-huh. But like I said, he. Just the holding company overall. Right. Uh-huh. But he was at the, the summit and talking to a lot of retailers, talking to a lot of folks. So, you know, he's getting his hands wet. And, uh-huh. and the way it was explained to me is a little bit where he can really help the, uh, all the Diamond family, uh, companies, uh, thrive. Mm-hmm. In, this world. So, um, other things that were happening, uh, I think I might have mentioned on here before, uh, Comics Hub had a demo suite. This is a new POS system. Oh, this was, you did this in a story last year. I did. No, oh no, I did it. No, no, no. no, That's Diamond's. Yes, you are. That's Diamond's pull box. Okay, my bad. Sorry. Which is still not there. Hmm. And, um, also, uh, so they are still not doing it, but apparently this Comics Hub software has come, uh, from a retailer in New Zealand and, uh, it's a POS system. It's also yeah. a poll system. So, uh, there was a demo for me and some retailers, some very influential retailers like Jen, uh, Haynes of the Dragon and Guelph, uh, was there. She loves it. She says it makes more money for them. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think maybe a little bit of pressure on Diamond maybe to finish their software. So they said it's in beta, should be out, um, you know, there was ID observation. Just, um, I've been to 12 or 13 of these Diamond uh, Summits, and they are very much of a template. And, uh, you know, business changes a lot. Uh, things have changed quite a bit in five years. So, yeah, yeah maybe mm-hmm. there would be a change, but there's no real obvious changes. And uh, so maybe that was notable itself. Um, there was a lot. There was a lot of small publishers presenting. There was Cave. There was Mad Cave. There was a vault, so mm-hmm. any sort of a dark place where you store things <laughs> yes. was there. Um, let me see what else. Uh, Clearly, wine cellar needs to be there, also. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Or uh, you know, um, cavern, cavern mm. comics. There, That's there you go. Cavern comics. Yeah. Well, you know, certainly in the past, comic shops have been seen as caves. So. Yeah. So, <laughs> so. Um, you know, they talked about some numbers. Uh, interestingly, one number they didn't show that they normally do is the number of customers that they have. And they didn't show that number. They showed that, uh, find the, the numbers that they gave. Um, they showed that, you know, graphic novels are still down. Graphic novels have been down for quite a while. Uh, yeah, let's see. Yeah, for the year to, uh, year to date, Comics are up 1.83%. Graphic novels are down 3.18%. Uh, toys are up 20%. I don't know what that's all about. Hmm. And then uh, overall comics graphic novel sales through April are up 0.41%. So flat, basically. Yeah. And they did not give a customer count number, which yeah. usually is like up 1% or down yeah, yeah. 1%, which is interesting to me that maybe it was a more significant number that would have been negatively received. Hmm. So, so, but, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a good vibe as usual. Yeah. Okay. Um, shall we segue uh, to a topic that I think I'll probably take over uh, for, you know, I guess reasons we should state. 
Um, the Lion Forge only press, uh, acquisition merger, uh, basically sucked all the atmosphere, all of the atmosphere out of, uh, my reporting for about two weeks in a row. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, it actually kind of dominated the time, uh, I was at TCAF as well, uh, because certainly the American publishers, that's what they wanted to talk about. Uh, and that's also part of, the, uh, th- that was where I was able to actually talk with uh, you know, James Lucas Jones, the publisher of Oni Press, and who now essentially um, is making all the editorial decisions um, uh, about the combined uh, Oni Press line forge uh, entity. And, and just to be clear, I need to recuse myself from this topic yes. because uh, the beat is owned by uh, Syndicate Comics, which is owned by Polarity Ventures, which is or Polarity Limited, which is the holding company that also now owns Oni and Line Forge. So it's a sister company of mine. Um, for many people have asked me how I was affected and the beat is not directly affected, but, um, you know, I'm not entirely, I'm not exactly unaffected, so I can't really talk about this topic. Uh, However, if you say anything that I feel needs to be corrected, I will jump in. Okay. You know, really what I'm going to do is give a quick overview of really what's been in the news uh, for really about, I guess, the last three weeks, in (laughs) fact. Um, uh, let's see, sometime, uh, about mid-May, I mean, the week, really the week before, uh, before TCAF, um, <laughs> Lime Forge and Oni Press announced the merger. Uh, um, it, it, the merger also indicated upcoming, um, um, layoffs. Um, yeah, but it wasn't what you'd normally expect. It wasn't a guy here, a guy there, patchwork from both companies. Um, well, it's layoffs. I mean, it's layoffs. Now, the majority of the layoffs yeah. came from the lab. That is side. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. That normally, one does not have the majority of layoffs from the acquiring side. So it made it rather unusual and well, surprising. Yeah, well, that, that has to do with the details of what happened. And the details of what happened is that Lion Forge was looking for, uh, basically someone, Basically, was looking for editorial direction uh, and actually a, a financial restructuring of how they've been conducting the business. Yeah. Uh, Oni Press had been looking for an investment partner uh, for a while now, and I can go into the reasons why, uh, at least according to uh, James Lucas Jones. Um, you know, about two years ago, Oni switched over to distribution, the book trade distribution to Simon & Schuster, which has tremendously uh, helped them and risen their sales across their list. But book trade distribution, uh, particularly from the big houses, they, they pay on a different scale. In fact, basically they pay longer to pay, take longer to pay than its previous distributor diamond. It was causing revenue shortfalls. They, uh, according to James, had been in discussions with Lion Forge for over a year about investment and outright acquisitions. Uh, Lion, Lion Forge, of course, um, was still, I think, recovering from their initial round of layoffs, uh, you know, like, what, six months before? Uh, I think it was at the end of uh, somewhere in November. They had laid off, at least or as far as we were able to tell, about 12 people. There may have been more. Um, so these were two publishers basically looking uh, for a solution. But the solution uh, really turned out to be, as far as I can look at this um, merger slash acquisition is really to give the editorial direction over to um uh to Oni Press. Uh Lion Forge is also yes. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, wanna, yeah. I know I'm I rambling here. I know, but, I know just, yeah you can go ahead because I you know this could go on forever. Yeah, so yeah Calvin, you're burying the lead. Yes. Like you're going straight from the announcement into the itty bitty gritty Insider details, which are very interesting and give us a lot <laughs> Feel of background. Free to jump in. But you're you're missing what makes it interesting, and what makes it interesting is that you normal in a merger of the scale, you normally don't have the majority of the layoffs coming from the editorial side on the acquiring company. It 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 sort of shows. <laughs> a uh, a very distinct lack of faith in the original company's and editorial team and direction. 
Oni Oni was not really acquired. This really was a merger. Um, I really think that, uh, you know, if you look at the interview I did with Dave Stewart uh, sometime, it was a year ago in September. At that time, he told me that there were more than 60 people uh, employed at Lion Forge and that he was hiring more. Well, that didn't last for about two months longer, <laughs> too much longer at that point. The, it, it, certainly one of the conversations going on about Lion Forge among people that I talked to in the business was where was their spending going? Um, this didn't seem to be sustainable. Yeah. And um, I think that first round of layoffs suggested that that was accurate. It couldn't, it wasn't sustainable. Yeah. Um, but they didn't yeah. just wipe out the top brass. It wasn't just like, oh, Oni's well run. Let's take their top team. It it went all the way down the pyramid. Well, on on the line four side, certainly. Yes, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, you. I, I think you're they lacking the emotional Lion urgency. Mismanaged. Well, you know, Should I just say it out loud? Listen, well, it's not just that. I mean, they, but I mean, it wasn't. It's it's not. We're not even talking about mismanagement. I am. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm not even talking well, look, about You know what? Yeah. I'm not, I can't talk about this I stuff, agree. but let's just say, for the sake of accuracy, let's just talk about some of the people who got laid off because yeah. we've talked about them on this podcast. Many, absolutely. Many times. Yeah, absolutely. You know, at Lion Forge, their editor-in-chief, Andrea Colvin, absolutely. was let go. Uh, yeah. Rich Johnson, Rich uh, Johnson. someone mm-hmm. we talk about constantly and, and interviewed and well-known constantly. well-known figure in the business. Well-known figure was uh, their uh, director of, or VP of sales was let go. And yes. Cindy Barwick, their VP of yes. marketing was yes. let go. So, absolutely. you know, these are three senior industry figures. So just to, so listeners, uh, you know, just to give you kind of, so you understand what we're talking yeah. about. Or what Kate and Calvin are right. talking about. <laughs> yes. Right. But, I mean, it's, it's not just, as I said, it's not just the, figureheads at the top, it's staff all the way, it's, it's almost like Lion Forge, as we know it, has ceased to exist. Well, that it's a, it's a whole new thing now. Well, it is a new entity, it's a new publishing entity, and, um, and Lion Forge is essentially, basically only going to be publishing the superhero line. Uh, the, of all things. That, yeah, they're, they're going to be publishing the uh, Catalyst Prime uh, um, the line of comics <laughs> under Gail Simone, and from what I can, the, from what I can get out of my conversation, that's the only thing that they're going to be publishing, unless some other things come out of the Catalyst Prime. Good luck. Everything, all publishing will come under uh, Oni Press, uh, and the Oni Press um, staff, uh, inclu- including James, as well as um, what well, Charlie Chu uh, and the new uh, editor in chief, uh, Sarah Gatos. Uh, am I leaving someone else? But basically, the, the only editorial staff will make all operational dis- decisions and everything will be published. Yeah. Through basically, if I had to keep one thing from Lion Forge, it would not be Catalyst Prime. <laughs> that's, it's just, there that's a go. very interesting life choice there. There you go. Um, uh, yeah, part of the issue uh, around these layouts also is that all operations will be based in Portland, Oregon, yeah. where Oni is based. Um, my, in my conversation with James, uh, he does not believe in remote editorial departments. So, um, uh, Lion Forge uh, had editorial staff in St. Louis and New York. Um, I, there may have been somebody in L.A. I'm not entirely sure about that. Uh, now, oh, Amanda also, Meadows was located, is located in Los in, Angeles. In Los Angeles, right. Uh, uh, we should also say that, uh, a new holding company has been formed, um, called Polarity, uh, that really is a, a holding company over the, overseeing basically all, um, both, both Oni and all of the former, uh, and newly launched, um, Lion Forge uh, entities or Lion Forge related entities, including a, an animation, uh, a new animation house, uh, I thought it was sort of a new music Publisher as well, and some other things. Um, so this is the this is the new entity going forward. Uh, in my conversation with James, I mean, once again, but it almost makes you wonder, like, what's the point? The point is to save the publishing enterprise of Lion Forge. Yeah, That's but, the but point. there's nothing left. Well, there's over 200 publishing contracts, so I wouldn't say that there's nothing left. So, based okay. So, but I mean, but of the of the pre-existing things, of the things we have seen of Lion Forge, it's gone. 
Well, the people uh, that we have come the, to know. The, there's no aside from Catalyst Prime. Well, once no, again, the books aren't remaining. Once again, there are lots of books in place. Uh, books that have been pa- that, that are that do have reasonable sales sheets for one thing. The graphic novel uh, that's still out there. It's still selling. Um, uh, so the back the line forge publishing list is simply not going to be called Lion Forge anymore. It's going to be shifted over and it's going to come through Oni Press. There are over 200 publishing contracts. Uh, uh, Lion Forge, the Lion Forge list still exists okay, and will exist in some form. Okay, okay, okay. But from what you had said before, mm-hmm. it had sounded like the only currently ongoing properties that were already on the shelves they were keeping was Catalyst Prime. No, well, Lion Forge as a publishing entity will publish only one thing. There will only be one thing that has Lion Forge. Oh, on the okay. Spot. So some of the Lion Forge titles will be transferred. To all the of the label. Lion Forge, all of the Lion Forge titles will be transferred and published under Odie Press. R- okay, because it, even to me mm-hmm. in the industry, it was unclear those titles would continue. I thought that maybe Catalyst Prime was the only thing they were keeping. No, no, and, no, no. No. So, no. so the ongoing titles will still remain, or at least there are some of them. Two hundred forthcoming titles that were acquired by Lion Forge. They are all under review. Many of them will be published. A lot of them will not be published. What I meant is, is if you look at it from a consumer standpoint, say I am Jane comic book fan, sure, and there is a Lion Forge title I enjoy reading. Yes, this title may no longer have Lion Forge. On the cover, right? But it will continue to exist, perhaps. Yeah. It'll be, yeah, right. Depends. Okay, <laughs> that's what I meant. It's that there will be lion things that already exist, yeah. not just things that have a contract yes. in the future yes. that will continue to come out. They just won't be called yes. lion for. Like Chase and uh, uh No Ivy League. That's still coming out. It's coming out Got in it. the fall of 2019. So that's coming out. Uh, as far as I can tell, it's still coming out. Um, now, like I said, Lion Forge had a lot of publishing contracts. Some of them will be published under Oni. Mm-hmm. Some of them will not be. We don't know at this point the full range of titles and right. what's going to happen. But if you were, like, if I am, you know, uh, uh, you know, Katie Crate comic book creator, and I, uh, was talking to, uh, you know, Steens, who's gone, who was laid off. Yeah, another name we should have mentioned. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I, um, you know, I was doing my book called, uh, you know, Book Expo Chronicle. And, uh, Steens was like, oh, okay, we're going to publish that. And then, um, now Steens is gone. And now, you know, maybe we have talks or whatever. Maybe we had a contract. So that contract is going to be looked at. And they're going to say, you know, either, you know what? Book Expo Chronicle no longer fits in with a publishing plan. That could happen. Right. That could happen. Mm-hmm. Or it could be like, you know, James Lucas Jones could say, Book Expo Chronicle is the greatest book I've ever seen. Can't wait to publish this. That could also happen. That could easily happen. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, Absolutely. Right. So, but I mean, what you, what you're saying, Calvin, and again, I yeah, didn't yeah. even know any of this. So yeah. I'm, you know, like, you know, reacting to what you just said, um, is that they have 200 projects in the works. That uh, were not in existence yet. Yes. That yes. are, that are in the or, works, yes. which means they're not right. in existence yes. yet. Forthcoming. They haven't come out yet. Forthcoming. Like, you know, editors were signing up books. Yes. Like probably contracts are in the works. Poss- a lot of times contracts, um, are in contract, which means it's going back and forth. Maybe contracts aren't signed, but well, it's in. These are signed contracts. Okay, so they have these, are, these are contracts. contracts they've been signed. That might not yeah. come out. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Now, <laughs> but Pony publishes about fifty to sixty comics a year up until now, and James said they will probably go up to about well, or well over a hundred comics a year in subsequent seasons. So many of these books will be published, but some will not be. But we, we're going to have to wait to see. As he said, all forthcoming uh, contracts are under review. But like I said, they're going up to over 100, to releasing over 100 books a year. So there'll be, you know, many of the books that are signed up. And many of these we're talking about you know, are books that are, were to be published through a number of imprints that have been under Line Forge. Uh, so House, is there no more Cubhouse, no more Caracal? Uh, no my more? understanding is that they, those, all of those imprints uh, 
will be discontinued. Wow, well, I have the T-shirt that has all the logos. Oh, historical yeah. collector's it item. Well, I'll yeah. put that yes. right next now to that's my just the imprint. studios. We don't know jacket. about the titles that came out, but they had signed up. I mean, under Andrew Colvin, they had a very aggressive uh, YA and middle grade publishing uh, line, including a large number of European licenses, as well as a large number of, or an undetermined number of original uh, work signed up. So all of this is going to, we're going to have to wait and see. It's so, all under review. So what do you guys think this means about, you know, comics publishing circa 2019? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think it, it says something about the specific corner of comics publishing. It's yeah. an unusual event. And, I mean, I know this is not Calvin's spin on it, but my own take on it is that, that, uh, the business people behind Lion Forge decided that they wanted to become Oni. And so they did. <laughs> little lost highways <laughs> action there, a little single white female, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, Talented for all, Ripley. In, yes. for all intents and purposes on the publishing side, they, that's indeed has, is what, uh, what has happened. Yep. Um, uh, there's some other things that are going on, but I mean, that's, that's, that, that's essentially it. I mean, we're going to have to wait and see. Um, that's quite enough were, on its own. There are quite a few layoffs. I mean, it obviously spurred a huge backlash on, uh, on social media. Well, Very critical of both companies. Uh, I mean, we have to remember, Align Forge is a basically a new venture. The company has acted since its beginning like a new venture, uh, in that, in the sense that new businesses uh, that are launched with this kind of uh, sort of venture capital change their direction periodically, and layoffs very often ensue. Uh, yeah. They've changed their business model at least three or four times since they launched in what was it, 2012? They started out only publishing digital comics. They, they had that deal with IDW to publish IDW print comics. Uh, then in 2016, they really exploded their editorial side, hiring something like 10 people at one time. Um, they ratcheted up their acquisitions. Uh, uh, they launched both uh, the Catalyst Prime superhero unit. And we should also say people have been leaving Lion Forge periodically, you know, long before this. Um, yeah, but that's different. And it's, yeah, well, that's churn. we don't know, this why, is an we don't know why they were leaving. And very and, and I, I just don't think that this was an overnight event. I think that the way that their publishing uh, program has been managed, the kind of monies that have been spent, uh, it's kind of been going on for a while. And we saw some symptoms before, I think, the full, you know, the full, the full yeah, well, impact we, of the problem. Right. We, we, we may have, we may have seen symptoms. But this was the big impact. Yeah, yeah. This was the this, this was kind of well. This is a stage in it. Really, this is a, this is an ongoing pro, uh, progress because um, my understanding is that there's there's you know there's a kind of there's a there's a financial hole that's got to be they've got to dig out of, and that's where we that's where we start from today. So I should also mention very quickly, um, Margot Wood uh, at uh, Oni the, is the only director of sales, and she's also part of the operational. Team along with Charlie Chow and Sarah Gatos. Charlie Chu. Jay, Charlie Chu, excuse me, Charlie Chu and, um, and Jane Lucas Joe, just to get that, get her in there. So, um, I think I, I think I touched on polarity. Uh, so I think we've gabbed about this long enough. Yeah, let's move on. So we, we can have a lot of other things to talk about. It is, I will uh, say you've gabbed about it, but, um, you know, we, like you said, we've talked about Lion Ford a lot over the years and, um, it deserves to be talked about. And we, and absolutely, what they have done is something wholly new and different and their, their attempt to create a full service graphic novel publishing company, it continues on a, on different footing. Yes. Well, meanwhile, uh, back at the ranch, uh, yeah, uh, Cal, I was chiding Calvin for PW's excellent story about the uh, book scan numbers, but, uh, you know, the beat we ran our, yes. in, uh, our article, which is chart replete with charts, yes. crammed, suffused like suffused, like chart, chart South Indian. Chart rich. Chart, 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 uh, anyway, Brian Hibbs wrote it. It's 20,000 words. Uh, I rushed to get this out before I left for the retailer summit and was gratified to have so many retailers tell me, oh, I read that before I came out. I made sure I read it on the plane. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of the same. Uh, we made it a little bit more, 
um, we aren't allowed to run all the numbers, but we could run the top 20 numbers and, uh, it, we made it a little more graphically, uh, in your face about how many copies, things like Dogman had sold, like 700 copies of Dogman and Cat Kid. Uh, you know, Brian put together a chart that shows, um, using the book scan numbers that Dave Pilkey sold 2.7 million copies last year. Uh, Raina Telgemeier sold 900,000 copies. Kohei Horikoshi, not sure what they do, 421,000. Lincoln Pierce, a big Nate, 368. Uh, Dana Simpson, a Phoebe and her unicorn, 200,000. Brian K. Vaughn, 205,000. So anyway, you know what? These are not huge numbers. Big numbers. These are the biggest numbers yeah. I've ever seen. And so if you wonder... Uh, why publishers were going nuts for kids' comics, this, this is why. Yeah. The numbers at the top are really gaudy. Um, you know, Christie's Big Day, the um, Babysitter's Club adaptation, selling uh, 100,000 copies here. And, um, you know, the book scan numbers aren't even the whole picture. That's, that's like anywhere from 60 to 85%. Um, you know, Brian did a very detailed breakdown um, by publisher and, uh, Scholastic is by far the number one publisher in the Western comics, uh, category. They own 33% of the market on Bookscan. So that's pretty incredible. Um, followed by Viz. Uh, oh, no, at, uh, Andrews McMeal comes after that. Uh, then followed by Penguin Random House. That might shock up quite a few people. Um, and actually he doesn't include manga. He breaks out manga separately. So we can't yeah. quite see be an interesting chart to run. Um, you know, an interesting one that he talked about though was DC, and this will might come up uh, with some of the other topics that we have here. Uh, you know, both Image and DC were down quite a bit hmm. in the bookstore market, and uh, it's no secret that Image, you know, Walking Dead has cooled off, and Saga and Monstrous aren't coming out quite as much. Um, and um, Marvel was up just a teeny tiny tad, but down from other years. Which to me is quite interesting as well. I'm trying to get the DC drop because it's pretty interesting here. Where is it? Uh, a lot of charts. Yeah, there's a lot of charts. <laughs> and um, that made the information. Harper Collins is the number five publisher. Again, I think, okay. Uh, uh, just quote Brian. 2018 is pretty ugly in the bookstores for DC. They haven't had this tragic of a performance since 2005. I'm still trying to wrap my head around this. Uh, so they were at 15 million in 2017. They were at 7.8 million in 2018. So that's about wow, a 50% that's, drop. That's a that is huge. You're at 23 million in 2016. Hmm. Um, so, uh, no wonder they're putting so much money behind Zoom and Inc. And Absolutely. They know where they better be. Yeah. Uh, it says, but, but but he concludes, I don't know, these are pretty depressing numbers. The layoffs make a lot more sense now. Mm. Um, uh, but then also we had the the, the uh, combined ICB-2 yes. Omicron numbers also came out, Kelvin, right? Yes, they did. And um, let's see, I'll have to look at it. But I know the total combined um, uh, periodical comics and book format comics was, what, $1.09 billion? Yeah, it was up from last year. Yes. It was not up from 2016, which is the last, you know, the last good year. <laughs> um, but um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't tragic. And But, I mean, looking at these numbers that Brian is quoting with DC down and Image down, I mean, what made up for that is these kids' comics. Yes, yeah, I'm trying to pull up, <laughs> I'm having trouble pulling up... Uh... The, your chart. You the, can't find your chart. chart. Can't find your yeah. chart, Calvin. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, let's see here. Uh, <laughs> race to the chart. Oh God, I have a lot of charts on my site. That's comicsbeat.com. For some reason, our um, internet thing seems to be acting really funny here today. Mine is fine. Yeah. Oh, here we go. I found mine. Report. No, Comics Graph and Alice had their best year ever in 2018. Yes. Um. So yeah, it was up to 1.095 billion. Uh, total. Um, so, you know, he doesn't, okay, yeah, here we go. Um, it was like a tad over 2016, according to this, actually. I take that yes. back. It was 1.085 billion in 2016, 
2017. So down, um, you know, uh, uh, 20 million there, uh, and then back up to 1.095. So yeah, up about an 80 million dollar increase yes, over, t- yes. uh, uh, over 2017. Yes, that's correct. Um, but what's interesting, of course, is uh, only for me here, Publishers Weekly, um, you know, the graphic novel, the format sold 635 million dollars worth of books, uh, periodicals were at 360 million. Right. And then their digital comics um, were estimated to be about 100 million. Right. And, um, yeah, so the graphic novel is by far the preferred choice. But comic shops were a bit more than the book channel. Yes. At uh, 510 yes. million to 465 million. Yes. Um, for the first time, they included uh, crowdfunding as a, yes, as that, a that, number. Yes, I found that very interesting. So uh, they say digital is about 100 million, where it's mm-hmm. really been. For the same time, but you know, other channels was up to twenty million, and that does include. Yeah, I think that uh, includes crowdfunding and, yes. and uh, newsstand sales. Yes. I think, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, once again, um, it's you know, YA and kids comics. Yes, and that, I'm hearing from publisher I mean, after publisher. Yeah, I mean that when they launch a kids imprint, the sales immediately take off to such a case that they. You know, they kind of look at themselves and like, what are we doing? Yeah. You I mean, know? I think that, you know, the, the Dallas Meta, uh, uh, what we know about graphic novel sales in 2018 piece that we ran at PW here a while ago. I mean, I think he, he had them, what, up like 50% something? Right. I mean, the numbers were just kind of jaw-dropping. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, which... Uh, I think many observers also, they projecting forward, we are creating a generation of comics readers, uh, to yes. maybe to rival, uh, you know, what Carol Tilly pointed to in the, in the 1950s. It won't be that big, but, uh, it's a, it's a huge recovery. It's a huge change from what we, the way we treat kids' comics. Well, in the we past. have a lot of things that are, uh, you know, just entertainment in general is consumed very differently than it was in the 50s when, Comics routinely sold a million copies to, yeah. to kids and were considered disposable entertainment. Um, you know, kids now have books that they treasure and, um, you know, keep. I mean, there's uh, almost every kid I know reads graphic novels. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I don't know a kid who doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, yeah. and, you know, they're treasured. They are, you know. Even kids who don't think of themselves as comics kids have, like, a couple that they really like. Oh, sure. They're just books. They're books. They yeah, like I mean, in some ways, you know, we kind of reached that goal that we have to. It's just books. It's not a big deal. It's another book like any other book. Well, well I mean, I think that, like, some kids like horror. Yeah, some yeah, kids like, what you know, they're definitely people who really like comics, specifically. But it's become a normal thing and completely non-stigmatized. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, so, hey, hooray for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, there might be some collateral damage along the way. Now, just uh, talking about, you know, one of the other big topics here on the podcast this year has been what the hell's going on in DC Comics? Uh, you know, there have been layoffs, some I mean, assignments and everything. Mm-hmm. And now this week, a shocker, a shocking development. Are you shocked? I am shocked. shocked. I did not see this one coming. Uh, where they announced that Tom King, the acclaimed yeah. superstar writer of the Batman title, will be leaving uh, the title, title a bit early. He had boasted that he would be writing it for 100 issues, yeah. but he's leaving with issue 85. Now, prior to this, I mean, it wasn't even announced. It was leaked to Bleeding Hole, and, um, or they found out. And uh, prior to this, Tom King had been on some website saying, uh, you know, and I can't, I mean, Tom's a great guy. I, I don't mean to compare him to a mass killer, but I, I can't help but think of the end of Seven where Kevin Spacey is saying, I'm going to do something that the world has never seen before. Because Tom King said, I'm going to do something the world has never seen before. You'll never imagine what I'm going to do to Batman. And this is, you know, it might never have been done in comics before. Well, whatever that is, we're never going to know. Well, we may, because... Um, there's been some swirling rumors that he will be writing a different Batman title and he could take a storyline with him to that title. Yes. Well, our sources, uh, indicate at DC that he will indeed be ending his Batman run earlier, but he will be taking on some new projects to get to be announced because he has a contract and Mm -hmm. that he is exclusive to DC and they need to give him money so he can live. 
It's so strange because he's he's written so many of the biggest events and uh, certainly the biggest most recent. Events. Yeah, but that's so not so strange. Yeah, because those biggest most recent events, their sales were disappointing. Didn't do that well. Yeah, I mean they weren't terrible, but yeah. they weren't what DC was hoping yeah. for. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, a lot of sales have been in yep. free fall, and uh, Batman had not been increasing. It had, in fact, been decreasing. Yes. And um, so, uh, you know, it had fallen. But, I mean, periodical sales, as befits what we were just talking about in the market, uh, where graphic novels are, you know, trashing their sales, um, you know, periodical sales are falling. True. But Batman, <laughs> Batman is a flagship title for DC. It has reliably been a relatively, I mean, there have been some variations, but it has reliably been a very, very strong seller for DC. Yes. And they were not expecting the level of dip that they got. And, you know, uh, it might have caused them, when they saw the upcoming storyline, to think sales will go down more if we keep this in the main title. Right. Well, Let's do I, something different. Let me put it this way. Uh, the declining or softening sales for the Batman periodical are certainly being used as cover for removing kick from the book. Cover? Now, what do you think they're covering? Well, uh, I mean, I think that whatever Tom King was planning that was going to change Batman forever probably was something that suddenly uh, AT&T, Time Warner, or Dan DiDio, uh, or Pam Lifford suddenly decided yeah. wasn't a great idea. Yeah, that, yeah, that well, yeah. certainly seems like it could be part of the decision, yeah. Right, or, or if, as several sources are suggesting that the title will the storyline will continue to go on elsewhere. It may be the kind of thing that does better in, how should we put this, a plausibly deniable miniseries yes. that you can always say is an alternate universe. Right. Now, I will say uh, another factor that is um been brought up a few times is what we were just discussing with DC's declining um, book sales. And I think there is... Uh, I mean, we point this out every time we look at the book scan sales is, you know, their best sellers every year, of course, are their backlist of Fishman and the Killing Joe. And, um, you know what? It's like they are not putting out, you know, Batman White Knight is okay, but they are not putting out yeah. new classics. The black label, uh, um, the imprint was created to make new backlist, yeah. um, yeah. um, yeah. hits. And guess what? You know, like they're one of the first books, which was the Batman Damned, is never even going to be reprinted because of the damn Batman's Todger. Um, they're not going to reprint the book without that scene. I, I, I guess, thought they were going to reprint. I guess they scene. are, but I mean, has it come out? I, uh, I think yeah, they might honestly, be. I don't know. I, I assume they would just sort of do a heavier a layer of ink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of think that what they may be doing is just. Sitting on it for a little while for the controversy to well, die it's down. Certainly yeah. not one of their lead titles for the yeah. fall. No, but you know, okay. some of the biggest books are yet to come. I mean, the, the the what the, the um, Kelly Sue DeConnick Wonder Woman. Um, it's a Frank Miller, isn't it? It's you know, I was just at the, the the retailer summit, and they did run through their big books, and they did run through Black Label, and they did talk about uh, you know Superman Year One, which yes. is a Frank mm-hmm. Miller, so that will do okay. Um, and a new Sean, um, Gordon Murphy book, uh, which is, you know, a white knight returns or something. Yeah. Uh, forget the title. And what was the other one? Um, like some Batman, it's Batman. I mean, it's, it, they didn't mention the Kelly Sid book, to be honest. It might not be ready yet. Yeah. yeah. She is running a bunch of other titles. Yes, it was. Uh, let me put it this way. It was nothing that really got me excited, but I mean, I wouldn't yeah. be the person to get excited about it. So, yeah. um, but you know what? Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that Tom King, being, um, you know, his run being shortened and his shocking development being derailed is, um, you know, connected to DC's declining bookstore sales. But you know what? That's got to be an issue. That is, uh, there been, I would be, I mean, if my bookstore sales uh, uh, decreased 50%, I'd be pretty upset about that. I yeah, so. I mean, <laughs> I have to say, putting myself in DC editorial's position, given the flagship nature of the title and how much they depend on the sales of the book entitled Batman. If I saw a storyline that I thought would perhaps be critically acclaimed, but not very popular with the masses, I might shift it to a different title. Because I would be like, you know what? 
this is, I, I need that money and I'm not going to get that money. We're not going to do this. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, stories come to an end and, uh, stories that have an ending are very popular. Uh, so I would think that DC would really look at what they're publishing. And, um, you know, Tom King has written some really acclaimed stories, uh, that do well in collection, including mm-hmm. The Vision, which is one of yeah, Marvel's right. backlists. And, um, uh, 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 you know, um, Mr. Miracle, uh, saying that wrong. Um, yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah um, Mr. Miracle. Uh, which was very acclaimed. And also yes. the Sheriff of Baghdad. Sure, so, yes, yeah, so he's actually, actually really good. Uh, so, you know, uh, Wait, listen, I, let the guy, uh, Kate's absolutely right. Let the guy do a miniseries, you can collect it, and maybe you'll get those ongoing sales. And furthermore, um, various insider sources, which are not my own, which were in other articles I've read by other people, various different other people, who I cannot cite them all on podcasts because I don't even remember every single article I read, Sorry, everyone, it's not because I don't love you. Um, say that, you know, I mean, you're not going to waste Tom King on a nothing book. Like, he probably will have a lot of prestige opportunities. And quite frankly, if it's not entitled Batman, or it's not about Batman, he might get a lot more artistic freedom and we might get a better story out of it. You might. Uh, you know, fans and what they like is a very powerful thing. You know, <laughs> we're running out of time because we have so much, thing. but I really, we have to talk about Nerd McGannon. We have to talk about the biggest thing that's happened possibly the month since we've sat together was uh, Avengers Endgame came mm-hmm. out, which is, yeah. I guess, the biggest movie of all time, or the second biggest movie. I think movie. it is. It didn't now. pass Avatar. I don't know. I mean, it's, it might not pass yeah, Avatar, it might not pass Avatar, Avatar but crazy, it's, it's past everything else. It passed Titanic. And then uh, Game of Thrones wrapped up. Yeah. And, even um, I watched Game yes, of Thrones. Yes, and even Calvin. So you've never watched it before? <laughs> I watch it here and there. Okay, you know, well. But my wife watches it. The, the Joe, Jody Culkin, friends of the show. Yes. Uh, she watches it and talks incessantly about it. So I, I, I get it. You know, so who has seen Endgame? Oh, I saw it. I yeah. saw it. Right. Yeah. Kate, I'm not gonna yeah, she doesn't it. care because, yeah, care. because uh, Kate. Okay. Okay. We're going to say something. <laughs> Should we? We're going to say things that may spoil yeah. things you don't want spoiled if you're really late to watch stuff that you care about. I can't believe that anyone who cares has not seen it yet. Well, maybe someone, I don't know. Maybe they work crazy hours. Whatever. But if, if you do, just stop listening now. Yeah. Okay? Cool. Yeah. Carry on. Uh, it was cool. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Adventures in came. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it wrapped up 20 years of storytelling in the movies. Uh, right. It did. Well, not 20 years. Uh, 11 years. years. It's 22 years. I mean, it's I'm just talking about years. the entire Marvel cinematic. No, it's story. 11 years. It's been 10 years, Calvin. It's 11 years. Oh, 22 films. Sorry. Yeah. 22, 22 films, 11 my years. Bad. My so bad. it was started in 20, 2008. Yes, my bad. It is now 2019. My bad. Right. Well, it seems like a lifetime since it happened. I mean, honestly, but, uh, you know, there was a surge. Like, if you look at the beats traffic for this week, which I called Nerd Regatta, which was like Endgame and the Battle of Winterfell one week, like, our traffic doubled. And, like, it just yeah. is held steady um, until this week. You know, now pretty yeah. much, you know, the end, last episode of Game of Thrones just disgusted people so much, which I think is pretty bogus, to be honest. Well. But, um uh, you know, they were like, oh, we hate it and all that. And now it's like, oh, if those eight years are wasted, I don't think so. <laughs> it seems a bit much. Yes, okay. Well, I will first say that there is a famous tweet going around there in exchange where one person said before Endgame and the Better Battle of Winterfell came out, oh, no, I'm so worried. Which Stark do you think is going to die? And <laughs> someone replied, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, Kate, you feel no compunction to see this movie. You know, there are very specific things I want out of Marvel movies, and I I get them from some Marvel movies. I got it from Black Panther. I got it from Captain Marvel. didn't really get it from the big team movies over the last few. Basically, any of the big team ones except for the first Avengers movie. You know, I don't. I have enough stress and pain in my life. It is just, you know, to, for superheroes to, to have the superhero melodrama complete with dramatic 
Victorian-esque death scene is just not what I'm looking for. You know, I mean, it's fine. It's artistically valid. It's just not the experience that I seek in superhero entertainment. So you never watch Game of Thrones? You know, I watched (laughs) the first couple seasons of Game of Thrones, but Game of Thrones is a very different type of story. It's a very different type of story. It's like comparing... um, we put this well it, it's like comparing a costume drama to a soap opera like they, they may both have some dramatic revelations somewhere along the way they're different art forms um game of thrones is is it kind of wears a big old banner on the front saying this is about uh, 40 million character drama in which most people are going to die, live with it. And you go in under those terms, and that's what you're getting. Whereas with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there can be a certain amount of tonal whiplash. And, uh, you know, uh, it's fine. It's just that I, I dropped off the team movies a couple movies ago, and uh, I don't regret that life choice, and it's fine. Well, you know, it's interesting that um, I think the demarcation that you're drawing, and this could be a whole episode. This could be a whole episode of the podcast, and, you know, maybe we should, we were barely, we're really almost out of time. But I'll just say that to me it's interesting because I think, you know, what happened with Black Panther especially, um, I mean, the MCU has really been on a roll. Ever yes, since they got yes. rid of the Marvel, the, the creative committee, they've just been free, you know, yeah. for Ragnarok, my favorite, yeah. Black Panther, Captain mm-hmm. Marvel, yeah. um, and Infinity War and Endgame, I do think it was, you know, I can pick nits with this, that, and the other oh, thing, yeah, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's a very strong outing, and I think that, you know, people mocked Game of Thrones, like there's a famous New York Times review. No, like, don't get me started. And, you know, who cares about dragons? You know, and then this became this really deep drama full of philosophy and, you know. And uh, more <laughs> and, and dragons, but you know, it was serious. It was serious television, as Kate just in, indicated. And I think that, you know, it's interesting that, that I think getting, you know, death in comic books has always been the selling point, you know, whether it was the death of, um, the, who was the first great death? Uh, Gwen Stacy, you yeah. know, or the death yeah, of so. Thunderbird and X-Men just because he was a bad character. But, uh, you know, like the great deaths as we've gone along, um, uh, and, um, you know, the death of Bucky and all this stuff. And, you know, it's always been a signal that this was serious. And I, I think with the movies, they kind of made it, you know, they elevated the level of gravitas a little bit. And, but, but I, you know, what you're saying is that it's not, it's not valid. Or no, I'm not, not saying it's not valid. I'm yeah. saying it's not what I want. Well, it's not what you want. Yeah, I mean, right. You know, I'm not saying it's, it's not artistically no, valid. Understand. I'm saying it's yes. not the movie I want to see. Yeah. Right. And, and understood. 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 And understood. 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 they're two different genres, and I really, I do think that they they use different kind of storytelling. Right. Right. And I mean, so, yeah. like, like I will say that Black Panther on its own was a very strong, deep drama, and that was fine. But we're, we're talking about the Avengers saga as a whole. A specific through line in the DC universe. I mean, a specific through through line in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is fine. I love those characters. It's great. I totally get honoring them with an ending, which feels much more final than it does in the Marvel Universe in comics, because actors are human beings with a mortal lifetime who want to move on with their lives and get new contracts. So everyone's <laughs> right. clear. This is, the, this is the last time they will see this version of that character legitimately. Yeah. Which is fine. You know, I, so I'm not saying it's not valid. I'm just saying it's not what I personally enjoy right. in the Marvel Cinematic yeah, Universe. I mean, I'm, not a, big, valid, I'm, right I'm not a big fantasy person. I encounter different things that, that I like. I mean, Game of Thrones to me always seemed like a really well done, you know, historical drama with all the stuff that that people like that genre with full of intrigue, politics, uh, and the ability to kind of look at it and kind of create a larger allegory for other kinds of things. You know, to me, Marvel really brought the superhero genre home with these movies. It's it's a rip-roaring adventure tale. Uh, Superheroes at their best. They've done the best job I've seen anyone do it at translating 
the comic books and the films. I think I said this once before. They, fans were very happy with they, it. Yeah, they brought together the, the brilliance of serials, uh, episodic comics with the blockbuster spectacle of movies and it created kind of almost kind of a new form. And, and it's a, and it also kind of, it, it, it's created an even bigger comics community than wants to gab about this. And you know, listen, the bottom line is that both Game of Thrones and, and the MCU have rewritten all the rules yes. for the genre for, you know, for Calvin's fanatic. Um, you know, yes, I even talk about Calvin's, it in the fanatics. Calvin's, you know, <laughs> curiously named I mean, newsletter, yes, the fanatic. There you go. Um, and you know, having both of them end at this same time is really just sent the fanosphere into, you know, yes, yes. That's a good, it, it's a good point. sucked all the, the universe. At- yeah. <laughs> the fanaverse. It's sucked all the, uh, atmosphere out of the room. Right. Like, and you do not have a new thing coming out right, right. now. People need to still process. Right. And, uh, well, I will say this. I have seen Godzilla already. And, oh, you uh, don't want to see Holy <laughs> freaking frack. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right, that's going to change. Yeah. But, but you know what? Isn't like, Spider-Man Homecoming coming? Yes, that's coming out, too. Oh, but, no, you know, Homecoming. Far but away or something? Proved, yes, uh, far from home. Far from home. But we've proven that, <laughs> that two great franchises can really hold, uh, whole audiences in the palm of their hand, but yeah. but the question is, will there be more? Oh, hey, more? I'm not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody asked me. Uh, I you know, thought we were going to move on to Game of Thrones. There is more to come. No, okay, I think go. I think sure. Go ahead. I mean, so I think actually comparing the fan reactions to the two, you can you can see the importance of staking the landing. And for all my feelings that this was not the movie I wanted to see, it definitely was the movie that a lot of people wanted to see. And uh, it, it got extremely good reviews, not just from reviewers, but specifically from the people who are the faithful who came out. Um, whereas uh, Game of Thrones did not have that kind of response. Yeah, Particularly because, specifically I think because yeah. of the expectations Calvin was talking about, because the show in its first few seasons had kept up a very high level of quality, and even once they got off of the already written George R. R. Martin material onto their own quasi-original material, had still kept up a relatively high level of quality, not only in storylines, but in pacing. And the current season kind of went almost on fast forward over events that a lot of people had seen coming and maybe even wanted to see, but were like, wait, wait, that just went by. Wait, wait, where'd that go? Oh, now this new thing? Wait, 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 what, what? It's as if you were watching the series on fast forward. And I think for people who were really emotionally invested and had been waiting for this stuff all along, it, it felt like a lower level of quality of, of technique yeah. than they were expecting. I think that's accurate. But, you know, I, I'd like to point out that George R. R. Martin has very wisely not finished the books. Everybody is still like, where's the books? When are you going to finish them, dude? You know, when the books come out, maybe they're going to hate the books just as much. And so I will say that the main difference for me between uh, Endgame and Game of Thrones ending is that with Endgame, it was Kevin Feige and the Russo brothers making a triumphant, uh, finale to the story they'd had in mind all along and, uh, you know, finishing off the story pretty much just the way they'd envisioned for a long time. Whereas with Game of Thrones, I feel like the showrunners were just like, oh my god, could this please end? Like, yeah, that's true. Like, yeah. It's hard to end TV series yes, and, and satisfy anybody, well, frankly. But I also, I did think, uh, a point you made was good, that, you know, I think they would have liked eight years of an ending. <laughs> I think they really did want more character development, more sense of why these characters were behaving, why they were. But it just, you know, they didn't, they, they weren't going to get it. The well, they weren't going to get it. Well, here's the thing. I think part of the frustration is that earlier seasons had a certain amount of filler. And so people are going, well, this was the good stuff we were waiting for. Why, why didn't you just fast forward through some of that and get to this earlier? So let it be lesson to us all that pacing is important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but uh, you know, honestly, it's just been, um, like the fan, the, you know, fancy Instagram, Instagram has just, you know, exploded. I mean, just watching this phenomenon of both of these 
happen and the Starks, you know, which Stark will live. Arya and Tony Stark have the greatest week of all times. And, it, you know, it's just been incredibly fascinating. And, we, you know, we should revisit this maybe the next time, like, like just, you know, fan. What else would we say? Or, oh, well, there's a lot more to be said. But, but on that note, there will be more to come.